Hello and welcome to the Simply podcast. I'm Aish, Content and Community Manager at Simply. And I'm Patrick, Content and Communications Director. Who do we have with us today, Aish? Today we're speaking with Alban McCleave and Nigel Williams. Alban is the Internal Communications Manager at the Royal Society of Chemistry and she's worked in the comm space for over a decade. Nigel is an independent consultant for Ambrola Limited and he worked with the Royal Society of Chemistry on their intranet project and beginner to blogger campaign. Nigel is currently working with the HMRC as the lead project manager, building and leading development, content and project teams in the delivery and evolution of one of the UK's largest intranets. Crikey, that was a mouthful, Aish. Let's get started then. Hi, Alban and Nigel. Welcome to the Simply Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves, please? A little bit about myself. So I am the Internal Communication Manager at the Royal Society of Chemistry. Um, I've been working in internal and external communication for close to 20 years now, I think. I started in public relation for companies such as Transport for London and then moved on to internal communication for Thomson Reuters and I've been in internal communication for now about 10 years. And my career has been nowhere near as linear to be quite honest. So I started off as a betting shop manager whilst I was at university, moved into sales, accidentally launched an intranet for a bunch of third party providers on a project, found it quite interesting, got involved in digital change, stumbled into internets, and here I am still 15 years later, working through internets as we go, having worked for vendors as well as an end client consultant. Fantastic. Um, stumbling across, honestly, there's been, a, there's been a recurring theme of people just stumbling across careers in intranets and, and internal communications uh, recently. So, uh, so not even recently, actually, re- regularly uh, throughout throughout the uh, the 18 months I've been interviewing people. And Al, we'll just go into you then, Alban. So obviously, you, you just quickly, fleetingly mentioned you started your career in press and PR. Um, your role was at Transport for London, uh, Museum of London as well. So what, what inspired you or, or what made you move 10 years ago into, into internal communications? So the real reason why I moved to internal communication is not a very professional reason. But I moved to America, um, that is a good 10 years ago now, and um, got the opportunity to uh, work for Thomson Reuters. And the funny story is that when I applied for the job, their job description was not very clear. And I assumed I was applying for an external comms role and I was actually applying for an internal one. Um, And so that's when I started working in internal comms and I've been in internal comms since. What's made you stay? In internal comms? Yeah. The mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, first of all, I find it really, really interesting. And I got to work for major companies. So Thomson Reuters, obviously, Marsh and McLennan companies, um, for a law firm at one stage, Mary Stopes International. So some amazing, amazing um, places I've worked for. But the other thing is that when you work in PR, uh, one of the key things, or at least the key thing 20 years ago was who you knew, you know, how well you are linked with journalists, who you know, uh, who will take you a call, who will come to a a photo call or a press conference. And then when you lose track um, and you move for quite a few years, it's difficult to get those back. And you'll find, well, at least back then, uh, people would, you know, wanted um PR professional who actually had a, had a strong network and so I didn't I didn't try to be honest but I just um I just knew that that was going to be an issue yeah I understand that 
Um, it's one of the key requirements on PR roles, isn't it? Uh, I have a PR background myself, um, starting in journalism, and what they really care about is how many people you uh, you can butter up for uh, for get your story to get get your story um, over the line. So I, I know that feeling, and I know that feeling of losing those contacts as well. So. I appreciate that. Um, Aish, you've got a question for Nigel in a similar vein, I think. Yeah, I was going to ask, what made you stay in IC then um, from kind of stumbling into it after? Were you in sales and recruitment? I was. So for my sins, I know there's no such thing as a nice recruiter in that sense. <laughs> so I won't lie to anyone and pretend it's there. I think the reality is that when you sell, you're overcoming objections. You've got a product and you've got something that you're trying to spot who's really going to want to use this. Does it fit my market? How do I change to actually catch as many people as possible? And then you go into comms and change management and you've got a product and you're trying to work out if it fits your market and you're trying to overcome objections. And every change manager out there will hate me for claiming it's a sales role, but ultimately they've got exactly the same skill sets. It's giving people what people tell you they want and not giving them what they hope they're going to have. And sadly, so many software implementations, campaigns, engagement, inflict stuff on people and then treat those people as if they're the bad people for not wanting this thing that actually doesn't fit any of their desires or their needs whatsoever. And in sales, if you don't do that, you don't make any sales and you're out of job. In comms and change, we can blame everyone else and design all sorts of models to hide it a little bit more. And ultimately, those two skill sets marry up far more than we ever appreciate. Uh, thank you. That's it sounds like you've answered that question before, Nigel. <laughs> I haven't, but I'll be using it again because it sounds about right. <laughs> I think you should use that simply, I see, yeah, to give a bit of background. That was that was seamless. Um, let's move on to the campaign uh, that you both uh, worked heavily on at the Royal Society of Chemistry, uh, the Beginner to Blogger campaign. Can you um, can you tell us a bit about it, please? Uh, either of you to go and shoot first. Yeah. So. Basically, when we started this project for the same time that we were completely redeveloping our intranet. So what you need to know is that at the Royal Society of Chemistry, we had a very obsolete old intranet for eight years. And so when we decided to change it, we decided to introduce some functionality that we didn't have before. And so we knew that we needed to get people on board. We also needed a very um, a major culture change. You know, it wasn't a done thing at the RSC to to blog, to share particularly. So we knew that we need to influence people to start thinking, to start sharing, to start collaborating better. And so, um, and Nigel should take a lot of the credit for this um, for this campaign, but we really thought about how we could engage people, first of all, change their mindset, but really engage people in, uh, in, in, in sharing more, in communicating more, in sharing blogs and blogs and podcasts. And that's how that campaign was put together, which was really successful in the end. In the campaign, um, you provided colleagues with, you know, resources and support uh, to encourage them to blog. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, more specifically about the beginner and advanced courses that you ran as well? Absolutely. So I'll pick this one up, Alvan, if you want to turn it through. So we spent a lot of time talking to people. I mean, a lot of time, 150 hours plus. And it was there's a real risk whenever you go out and talk to people, they tell you what they want is what they used to have in a slightly different shiny version. Or they tell you what they think is the answer based on their experience and not actually the user stories or the problems that get them there. And what we found out is that every person we spoke to was doing something incredible. We had people working with NASA, for example, on the Mars probe. We had people breaking Guinness World Records by powering go-karts for lemons. Seriously, it's a thing you wouldn't know because no one talked about that. And what yeah. we found is actually that people knew they had good stories but didn't have the time to share them. 
And I didn't really get, well, why do I bother? Other than you're telling me it's my job, what's in it for me? Now, the reality is we had heavily siloed groups all doing great things across the science community. But each of those had their own networks. Each of those had their own pay, their own paths to funding. Each of those actually could have helped each other if someone just stepped back and said, we've just had that conversation with somebody else in a different location in China or Brazil or wherever they may be, who's actually doing something very similar. Have you never met? No. And that's what blogging gave us, that actually the selling this or that change management, when we look at things like ADCAR, for example, that Alban's a specialist in, is that acceptance and desire, those first two steps. The desire was that you can get far more reach for what you do and far more funding by finding 20 minutes to tell your story. And then when we got that 20 minutes in the beginner, we then went, well, can we make it a bit quicker for you? Well, actually, if you vlogged and you went to something like, if anyone remembers COP26, when we had all the heads of state coming and flying in and we're looking at global impact and what happened, we could write a 2000 word article about it that some people would read, or we can do a video where it takes you through biodomes looking at what pollution looks like around the world. And you see people's glasses misting up and they're telling you about what they're feeling, what they're smelling. And all of a sudden it's really surprising to find out 90% of the audience watch that and people ask how they did the next one from it. And that's really how it evolved from beginner to advanced. It was just chatting to people, understanding what, could be done whether there was actually a need for it and then finding out that sell piece what is it you could get if we can help you get through those first few stages yeah that biodomes uh vlog well we was part of a presentation that alban ran a couple of weeks ago with us and we, we all at simply after the call would said how impactful and interesting and engaging that was and how I wouldn't if that was in a piece of written form i would it would possibly look like the dullest thing on earth as a non-scientist um but how really really impactful it was i think mark actually actually used it as a, a kind of a bit of inspiration for a writing skills course that he uh, writing and video skills course that he presented uh, the other week to one of our members um in switzerland so I mean, it's amazing so that uh, that you've got those stories out there and obviously a much more, um, you know, user generated content focused medium um, and engaging medium to get them out there. And I suppose with that, you could say that maybe the RSC people are maybe a little bit more insular. They don't want they previously they didn't want to share their stories. Other people in other organisations are going to say the same thing to both of you. Oh, um, well, maybe you did manage to get X and Y to do this, but our our people don't like sharing their stories. Our people, um, you know, they just want to pick up their payslips and go home. What would you say to people? And we do we will hear that in a, in a week or so at Simply IC. Um, so, what would you say to to communicators who are in this rut and how to get out of it? So, eighty three percent of our colleagues are PhDs from Cambridge. And none of them want to admit that they don't know something. And that was the biggest challenge we had with blogging. And we could either hit from it or we called it out. And so we called it out. We talked about what you could get from doing it. And we didn't just say, here's a blogging tool, off you go. We launched, when we launched on our internet, we did something called, um, it was the 60 second connection. So it was 21 minute tasks. And if you did these 21 minute tasks, you could do them daily. You could do them in a lump. We didn't really care how you did them. We put five pounds towards a charity. So cumulative, everyone doing it, we generated £3,000. Our donors then went and doubled down on that, which was fantastic to go to. And people voted up as one of the tasks for which charity went to. Two of the tasks were to actually go and read blogs that are out there by directors and to like or comment or share. Then you had to do one of those three actions. So all of a sudden, it's quite easy to start looking at content and going, oh, that was quite interesting. You could do more of that. And the more we did of that, the more we could ask the question of who's got a story, where does it sit? Sounds really easy. But we were averaging 1.8 news stories a week across the organisation. After beginning to blogger, we got over 19, as well as the blogs coming off the top of it. And it's that epiphany moment. It's actually, we have got some really good stories. 
actually it doesn't take that long and ultimately we had three guiding principles on this our main one was be high maintenance and i think alban got sick of that by the end of the first week was don't sit with your head in your hands tell us if you've got a problem and you're not sure how to do something tell us think like a new starter we were acronym rich get rid of those acronyms get rid of those knowledge barriers you may all be PhDs, but you've got people like me. We've got people in more functional roles, running offices and host rooms and different bits and pieces. They are our target audience. They are hard to reach. So don't put blockers in the way of how you do that. And ultimately, if you're thinking like a new starter, if you're being high maintenance, why wouldn't you share? And we made sure our leadership team were actually acting as people and not job titles and going back and asking questions, as well as actually contributing. We had a leader who was talking about how her parents were making marmalade, marmalade, got my teeth back in, marmalade, and the challenge of getting jars for marmalade, really random. But that can happen to anyone. And all of a sudden, these leaders own dogs, they play music, they've got an interest in football. We hadn't broken that before. It was very much a hierarchy before that in silos. And so we really made it about people. And I know everyone says this, but we really did all the way through to the point that when people then said, this is really good. What next? We've got people dotted around the globe. We even created company away days virtually where people went out and made vlogs in their back garden or their park and use those skills again. And we created an X Factor judging panel that was far nicer than the X Factor, to be fair. Probably less plastic surgery as well. But all of a sudden it became fun to again do all these skills, these things that in our heads were going, I couldn't do, someone else needs to do, we need to block. And you've got to be prepared to fail fast. Try stuff on the acceptance that everything's going to work. But go out there, enjoy it, speak to people. And you're going to find your magic formula out there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Just to quickly interject, uh, what the simplicity, but genius of, of what you mentioned there as part of the campaign with the liking, sharing, commenting five pounds to a charity. So it seems like such an obvious thing to do, but that hadn't necessarily crossed my mind as a, as a really, really, obviously, probably if you're EY, you end up bankrupting the company or whatever because <laughs> there's so many employees. But, but it's a really clever clever way to get people on board and just watching you know and getting 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 to grips and watching videos vlogs whatever it might be uh, and getting uh, getting involved with it so i think that's a really really clever takeaway nigel um so whoever thought of it whichever one of you it was kudos it was a great idea alban can take credit for that Um, and also you mentioned um, when we spoke earlier that you've um, developed analytics which transformed Connect from an intranet to kind of more of like a barometer for your organisation. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those analytics, please? Yeah, we, those of us like me who are data geeks, say data geeks, and those people who weren't suddenly got a bit more interest in data. So we had to mix it. You've got data that gives you clues about what people do, but then you want the stories behind it about what that looks like in their everyday role. What we're trying to work out is that when we started, if people wanted to read news and these 150 hours of speaking to people, bizarrely, they went on LinkedIn or they went into trade journals to understand what we were saying publicly because they weren't picking up on our internal channels or making time or thinking where to go for it. So when we looked at data, we thought, well, we need to get something right here because we're obviously missing the, we're talking to the audience, we're missing our target. There was loads of clues in blogging. So shorter, sub two minutes 43 was the optimum time to get people to read things. So we made a rule, any news story, needs to be less than two minutes 43 we spotted when people had videos and actually we put subtitles over 93 percent of people watched it end to end so we started learning all this data about how people behave what they do does it make a difference for example for audiences in china and who presents it to what it does if you're in the usa for example why does our ceo present most of our big announcements and actually is that the best use of her time and the data actually tells you all this to the point that we managed to create, we're still in the, we're still very much in the uh, the beta phase at the moment, but we can predict roughly within 7% what 
how much of our audience is going to read a news story based on its topic, based on the target audiences, based on the presenter, based on the mediums we use, and based on the time of day we publish it. And anyone could do that. We're not doing anything clever there. We're just thinking about it a bit differently and we'll happily share that with anyone who wants to take it away. Go and prove the model works or doesn't and make it better. And as a community, we can definitely do something between us to help everyone. Are you, are you using any third party software to, to, to do this deep dive of analytics, Nigel? Nothing more clever than Google Analytics and Hotjar. So Hotjar, we look at the scroll depths to sort of work out where we put calls to action and Google Analytics for anything else. It's that Cotton Eye Joe effect, as we call it. Where do they come from? Where do they go? If we can work that stuff out, we can ultimately work out how to land stuff that fits people's behaviours and doesn't force them to change. <laughs> showing your age there, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> my hairline showing my change. Never mind. I'm showing my age as well. Yeah, many a night at Sheffield University dancing to that. Um, <laughs> uh, Alban, um, in a week and a half, well, whenever this podcast out comes out, it's the 22nd and 23rd of May. Uh, we are um, showcasing Europe's uh, largest festival for communicators, and you and Nigel are both present presenting um, and talking predominantly about this case study we've been talking about. So. What are you most looking forward to? Is it is it getting stuck into your presentation or is it uh, I know you have to shoot off because you're very, very important. But uh, uh, is it uh, the, the chance to get a few more minutes just chatting to a few of the attendees? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're excited to share that uh, case study with people, you know, um, I think, you know, it was a great campaign. We're really proud of it and we still find it exciting to talk about it. But, you know, connecting with other people is really important to us. And the thing is that one of the things that I think we got right is that we never assume that we know everything. And we spend a lot of our time talking to others about what they do and what lessons they've learned and how we can make, you know, what we do better. Um, and in every area of, of what we do to do with the internet. So, for example, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of research on content management and talking to a lot of people in the industry about it. Um, so I think it's never assuming that uh, we can't do things better and that other people uh, might know more than we do. And what's next at the Royal Society of Chemistry? What's your big projects at the moment? God. What's, what's not our next big project? So we are a very small team now, uh, unfortunately, only two people. So it's, uh, it's very much what Nigel mentioned before, you know, it's uh, now that we've managed to engage people with communication and with what the RSC is doing, is to keep that story going, is to keep reminding our staff members what impact the RSC is having on society, which is huge. Um, and that before, you know, we did that campaign before the internet, they didn't necessarily know. So I think it's uh, it's something is is looking at what's a priority for us to communicate and what people would be interested in and then getting them involved because at the end of the day they are advocates and so it's for us to uh, to communicate with them but hoping that they will be our advocates on the exterior as well. Well, and Nigel, um, what are you what are you working on at the moment? So from the RSC side of things. I think one of the big challenges we have, and many people will have it, is that we did a migration of content when we launched the new internet. Now people have to take culpability and work out, does it still add value? How do we improve it? That's the same challenge lots of organisations face. So whilst we get people who love blogging and want to own their blogs, do they own that piece of knowledge that actually saves them so many minutes a day in terms of answering FAQs, et cetera? So that's going to be one of the big parts, and I think it'll be interesting for the conference, is trying to find out who's got those simple answers in an RSC model to do it. For myself, I've gone and joined HMRC, and I know the tax man's obviously a, a pantomime villain in this sense that exists through, but it's a phenomenal place. We've got 64,000 people dotted around the UK. We're rolling out a SharePoint solution that's got pros and cons, being quite honest to it, that 
I like lots of things Microsoft do. I also hate lots of things Microsoft do, and we have to make our peace through that for how it works. But more than anything, it's we have people who have less than five minutes a day. And mm. in those five minutes a day, are they going to read our internet news story or find that piece of information? Or are they going to go for a cup of tea? Are they going to take up a smoking habit? How do we get that to six minutes a day, seven minutes a day? We can't do know what they do with that time that exists. But what can we do that actually answers those problems people get? And the reality is we'll get no credit for it because it's like Wi-Fi. You create a good internet and a good experience. And if it, unless it's blogging or something really obvious, people don't notice it's better. They only notice when it's rubbish or it goes down. And we're exactly in that silent revolution we're trying to change for what we do in HMRC. Of course. Um, yes, our founder did get very nervous when he saw four people from the HMRC had booked on to our event. <laughs> I think that thing is on to him. Um, but um, and I can also see now why the Microsoft session is so uh, appealing to you, uh, Nigel. But uh, as I say, we'll send you the recording. Aisha, is there anything else you want to ask? No, that is all of our questions. Uh, thank you ever so much for being on the podcast. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Thank you.